day. I'm your host, Charlie Earl. This is our second episode as we examine the role that individual liberty plays in our life and uh, what importance it has for us. How do we define it? Where do we go from here? So let's begin today with what is liberty? And I think it's important that we define liberty, at least within our own minds. Now, understanding that we should have a common acceptance of, of what liberty is if we're going to live in a community or whatever. But nevertheless, we each will have our own little tweaks, our own little nuance in defining it. But for a starting point, I like to look at the Noah Webster 1828 Dictionary. Why? Because as this nation was founded, uh, the, the founders, the framers, had an idea of what, how they were defining liberty. And just like you and me, they each maybe had their own little concept, their own little tweak. But Noah Webster defined it like this. Partial, I'm going to give you a partial definition. When he talked about liberty, he talked about two types of liberty in the beginning. And he expanded it even beyond that. But these two are the most important ones. The first one is... The body is at liberty when not confined. In other words, your physical body, uh, your, your, your superstructure, if you will, your infrastructure is free or at liberty when it's not shackled or when it's not in stocks or a jail cell or in a quarantine lockdown or whatever. Your body is at liberty when it's not confined. But the one I think that is most important for us as we define liberty is the will or mind is at liberty when not checked or controlled. According to Noah Webster, your will or your mind is free or at liberty when it's not checked or controlled. And I think the key thing for us, we all know what control is. We can actually physically feel the, the limitations on who we are, what we do, uh, what we're free to do, what we're allowed to do, if, and we'll, that's another term we'll get to later as we explore this going forward in future episodes. But it's the mind. Is the mind free? Is the mind capable of exploring, of creating, of dreaming, if you will, about things we would like to do to enhance our performance. You know it's anecdotal, and it may be true. I don't know. I haven't read the research on it. I probably should one of these days. But it's anecdotal that we only use 10% of our mental capacity. In other words, our brain has all this storage capacity, creative calculating capacity, the ability to do numerous things that most of us do not explore fully. In other words, we, we float along in neutral when we could be shifting it up into high and even perhaps firing up turbo to utilize and enhance our ability to be creative and to take our liberty and to soar with ideas and creative concepts and explore new things to do things new ways and do them within the concept, within the framework of, of what our mind is. In other words, we're limited primarily by our own capacity to put our own brakes on. And then, of course, we have the outside constraints and 
things of that nature, and we'll get to them in a bit. Uh, Webster also, Noah Webster, that is, also defines civil liberty, and again, I'm giving you a partial definition here. He said, you're free in a civil sense except as is necessary and expedient for the safety and interests of society. Now here we, we're going to explore that in weeks going forward. What is the safety of society? What are the interests of society? And how do they impact us? And should they impact us? Uh, so those are things we'll look at as we go forward. Coming to a more current definition according to one of the Webster versions is liberty is the state of being free within society from oppressive restrictions imposed by authority on one's way of life, behavior, political views. As you can see, that's a little broader. They don't break it down into the civil, the natural, or the concept of, of overall concept of liberty. They throw it all in one bag. Uh, restrictions imposed by authority, and I should say oppressive restrictions imposed by authority on one's way of life, behavior, political views. And assuming everybody today, those in political power, those who have economic power over you, those who have emotional power over you, whatever restrictions they put on you, you believe they put on you, uh, you, you bear it. You go along with it until you believe it's oppressive. And that's when you have all the internal conflicts going on and uh, things of that nature. But we'll explore them more as we go forward. One of the things that, that we should discuss is why is liberty important? Again, I go back to the 10% of the brain power thing. Assuming it's true, that means that we are not. You are not. I am not. I certainly haven't. I can vouch for this from personal experience. Develop to the point of my full human potential. There are so many things I could have done, should have done, would have done. If I had just sat down and worked at them harder, developed my mind better, learned more things. Uh, I learned from the mistakes of the past, mine and others, uh, vicariously through books or through videos or through discussion or whatever but liberty is individual liberty is important if we are to achieve our full human potential so where does liberty come from well some might argue that it's natural or instinctive and there's certainly an argument for that our desire to do our own thing our desire to spread our wings our desire to do more than 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 we are but if you look around, that's not always the case. The people you know, the people you interact with and see, not all of them have any desire for liberty that you can tell, that you can detect. They may have it inside themselves, but are afraid or too cautious or whatever to express it or explore it. But so where does it come from? Is it natural? Is it instinctive? Well, to a degree... We get, that argument may be valid in the sense that we know a caged animal wants to be free. We know an animal on a leash wants to be free. But is that freedom, that desire for freedom to run comparable to our mental uh, desire, our will 
to be free. It's a different thing. We're sentient beings. We can figure this out. We can reason it. We can, in fact, part of the reason is we willingly cage ourselves is we use that reasoning ability to limit our own potential. But we should discover what is the source of liberty. You know, I believe, and you can argue with me on this, and we'll give our email address again if you want to send, you know, comments or whatever about this show to us. I believe that the true sense of liberty, the true understanding of liberty that we have, reasoning within ourselves, requires a faith, a belief, or a conviction. You have to understand there's a source of liberty, otherwise it's just madcap dreaming. Otherwise it's just mental soaring with no goal in mind, no purpose in mind. It's just an animal type of thing. Let me from the leash I don't know where I'm going. I'm just going to run. True human liberty should be more than that. It should be purpose-driven, and, and I believe it has a faith, a belief, or a conviction component at its root. That takes us to the next question about liberty. Must the exercise of liberty be virtuous or moral? Some of our framers and founders, and I'm talking to political leaders here, but I also go back to the theological leaders of the day, many of whom were political leaders as well, believe that true liberty, individual liberty, requires a virtuous person or a moral person at the very least. And what that means is that your exercise of liberty must recognize that others have the same capacity as you. They may not exercise it, they may do it differently, but their liberty is as important in the overall moral, virtuous community sense as yours is. And so your liberty must be virtuous and moral in the sense that it doesn't take advantage of others. In other words, you are a true individual liberty person. I would say libertarian, but that has as political now. You are a true individual liberty uh, person who develops his own liberty without stamping and bullying other people. Okay, so there is a virtuous and moral component to individual liberty. And that takes us then to the next logical step from there. How does your liberty, your individual liberty, your desire to exercise it, your desire to promote it, to enlarge it, to enhance it, to make it more creative, to give you the opportunity to breathe free and live free. What about others? If you're in a relationship, what about your significant other or your spouse if you're married? How does that person's life and your commitment or relationship, uh, how does that affect your desire for individual liberty. Uh, I've been married for 51 years and I am one of these people who is constantly looking outside my box. My wife, on the other hand, her mentality, her personality is geared toward, towards keeping the box neat, okay? And over the years, over the half century or more we've been married, um, her box has gotten bigger and, and, and my quest for individual liberty has gotten more defined and more focused. So it's been a good relationship for us, but that's not always the case. So that's something you have to take 
into account as you define and outline how you're going to exercise and express your sense of individual liberty. That takes us right next to the family unit. If you got kids, if you have children, certainly they limit your individual liberty. You're going to soccer games and t-ball games, or you're running them to the ER for a broken arm, when you could be in your shop tinkering, coming up with the new latest world-breaking gadget that shows your, your, your liberty to explore, your liberty to create, you know, is developed in this gadget. Well, meanwhile, you're sitting at a t-ball game wondering what on earth am I doing here, but I love these little critters and I feel an obligation as a mother or a father to be there. Take it on to the next step, the extended family. Siblings, parents, cousins, anybody you interact with on a regular basis uh, because they are part of your family, your in-laws, so to speak. What impact do they have on your exercise of liberty? Are you embarrassed to be creative and do the things you want to do because of their disapproval? Or are you constantly arguing with them because of your desire to explore, to expand, to do new things using your sense of individual liberty and they think you're crazy and you're nuts? You may both be right, okay? But still, that impacts, that extended family impacts uh, how you exercise, define, and explore your individual liberty. Next step, obviously, is the community. You know, uh, your peers, the people you run into in the grocery store, co-workers, uh, gas station, neighbors, uh, Kiwanis Club, all those people have some impact on your expression of individual liberty and how you go about it. You may just decide to dump all those relationships and become viewed as a loner not because you're antisocial or anything, but just because you don't want to deal with the angst of having to please everyone. I put that in quotes, please everyone, which is a drawback. That's enough for exploring today, but we have a lot to explore. And we're going to do it more and more, but we'll get down to the nuts and bolts and later ones as we go forward. I thank you for joining us on episode two of Living Liberty Today. Our email is... Living Liberty Today at ProtonMail.com. Have a good one. Remember, I'm Charlie Earle. I'll be back next Sunday night for Episode 3, Be Free, Live Free.